Welcome back to the Inside Indiana Podcast. I'm your host, Alex McCarthy. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, We've been all over the country covering IU stuff, IU sports, from Indianapolis to Santa Clara and back, and uh, just haven't really had time to sit down and do one of these. But today, and we're recording this on on Tuesday, January 3rd, uh, Indiana hired Mike DeBoard as its offensive coordinator. Yesterday they relieved former offensive coordinator Kevin Johns of his duties and uh, wasted no time in in filling that vacancy as IU has not officially announced, I don't think, either of those moves, but um, sources have confirmed to to us and to a bunch of other outlets that that that's going to be the case. So uh, we've written a couple stories about DeBoard and about what to kind of expect from his offense and and what his background is, and you've probably read those if you're listening to this. Uh, but we talked today on, for the podcast with Wes Rucker, who's <clears throat> excuse me, who has covered Tennessee for for a long time for our Tennessee site, Go Vols twenty four seven, and he had some great insight about what to expect from DeBoer, what kind of offense he likes to run, the I guess just the kind of the way that he's been able to take the existing Butch Jones offense, uh, Butch Jones being the head coach at Tennessee, uh, taking that offense and, and kind of putting it a little bit of a different spin on it and uh, being able to lead Tennessee to, to one of its best offensive seasons ever this past year. Um, and I thought one of the more interesting things that we talked about, Wes and I, was about the, uh, I guess, the perception that the Tennessee fans have of Mike DeBoard, where, um, you know, once this hire was announced, they w- responded pretty positively to, to seeing DeBoard go. And I was just curious that, you know, after a season where they averaged 36 points a game and where they set, you know, program records offensively, I was just curious at why fans would be happy at his departure. And we talked about that. It was kind of interesting and um, just about more or less what to expect uh, from this offensive coordinator hire. So uh, it was a, it's a great conversation. went much longer than I expected it to uh, in a good way. Um, so let's get to that and talk with Wes Rucker of Go Vols 24-7 about Indiana's hiring of Mike DeBoard as offensive coordinator. Excited to welcome Wes Rucker from Go Vols 24-7, uh, talking to us uh, about Mike DeBoard and, and a little bit about what to expect from uh, the man who's going to be Indiana's offensive coordinator here starting uh, in the immediate future. Uh, I guess, first of all, you know, on paper, um, Tennessee had one of its best years you know, in offensive program history last year. Um, what was it about this team, about this offense, um, and about, you know, obviously DeBoard's offense um, that was able to lead them to, to such success this year? You know, I think it, it came down to a couple things. One, I, I think you have to start by saying there was some talent out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. When you got guys like Dobbs and Kamara and Malone and all the couple good offensive linemen, John Kelly, you know, you've got weapons that you can use and guys that can, you know, Jawan Jennings, guys that can help you put points on the board. But, and I think they got a really good quarterback play. And I know DeBoard's nominally the quarterback's coach of Tennessee or has been, but really he's more of an offensive coordinator and, and, and an offensive line coach. That's sort of his trade, offensive line and tight ends. Um, but I think they, they did a pretty good thing on offense. They took what was already butch jones offense because you know he was uh, butch jones is a protege of mike DeBoard. Mm-hmm. that was butch jones first boss when he was um, an assistant coming through the ranks uh, and and so they kind of built this offense together years ago 
and they think it's a really good offense. And, and when it clicks right, man, they put points on the board. It's a really up-tempo offense. Um, they will go spread. They will go hurry up, uh, no huddle, all that stuff. And, and they will play to the strengths of the players they have. And, you know, every single coach says that. These guys did a pretty good job of it. You know, they it's a physical offense. Bush Jones hates the phrase uh, spread. Uh, he thinks that sounds kind of like like it's a wussy offense, basically. You know, he he says that that he doesn't know what to call it, but it's not a uh, it's not a spread offense. But let's be honest, it's a spread offense. And but it's it is a spread offense that really likes to hammer the football at you. Uh, they they like to go hurry up and they but they really like to pound the run that's what DeBoard loves to do that that that's his mo that's where he came from he really uh, he'll throw the ball around the yard no question and he'll throw for three four hundred plus yard games and things like that but, but what they really like to do is get in a hurry up and wear you down with tempo and just grind you out with the running game they're really they've really been pretty good at that they they sort of you know the, the conditioning level gets up and, and they get used to playing at that tempo they really get north and south on you in a hurry and they can do some damage right right and, and you mentioned them kind of you know working to their personnel and everything like that did i mean was it kind of a seamless transition when when DeBoard came in uh, a couple years ago i mean how long did it take for him to really kind of figure out how to use all of those pieces well i think it was pretty seamless because the previous offensive coordinator was a guy named mike bajaki and he's now with the tampa bay buccaneers and he kind of also ran that version of the Bush Jones offense so it was a little different um, here and there maybe a couple things were different a couple wrinkles a couple things they were putting in but but I think really it was a lot of it was the same stuff and I think that's what Bush Jones really wanted he wanted continuity so um, if Indiana's already had some components of an offense like that in there uh, that will be a little bit seamless for them because that's what they're going to run and I will say this too one thing I really really like um and you see some good play callers do this. And I know DeBoard's had better games at times than others, but I think for the most part he's done pretty darn well. And I think what I really like is the fact that they will set something up, and when they try to set something up, it almost always they get a shot at it. The, the, they'll set up, you know, they'll, they'll be using this wide receiver screen or these little toss-outs for a while, and then they're, they're working on a wrinkle off of that, and boom, they hit you with a big play, something they've been setting up for a while, and you can kind of see it starting to happen. Uh, from from the press box, the the bird's eye view in Neyland, which is basically really a bird's eye view because it seems like we're looking <laughs> yeah. down from an airplane. But you know that you can see that stuff from from that angle, and I think he's done a pretty nice job, really. Mm-hmm. And there and there've still been you know despite all the numbers and 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 records and everything like that, there's still been quite a few Tennessee fans you know on Twitter on the boards and things like that who have seemed happy with DeBoard's departure I guess is that just you know them being SEC football fans or is that I guess what what are the what are the problems that people have had with DeBoard you know I, I think a lot of times that people what they they don't like really admitting that they're wrong and when DeBoard came to Tennessee he had been basically working in an, you know some sort of a uh I don't know if you call it an advisory role or something like that at Michigan, but basically uh, he was called like the director of intramural mm-hmm. sports or something. So people thought he was like a uh, like an intramural swim coach or something. Like that, you know, they they were like, "What in the hell is this guy doing coming to a place like Tennessee?" 
Uh, well, really, what he he was was he was an extra guy around the football office who had another title. Mm. Uh, th- that sort of was the rub with some people. They were wondering why did they go get this guy who was basically an intramural coach, they thought, or something. And, and when he goes out there, it's like the same thing, you know, uh, but the opposite this year with Bob Shute. Uh, you know, he comes from Penn State, did a really good job at Vanderbilt, was one of the best – usually regarded as one of the better defensive coordinators in the college game. And because when the defense started struggling, they didn't want to blame it on him because they were so excited when he got there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's like people, and I think in some cases, not every case, but I think in some cases people just don't want to really admit that they're kind of wrong. But there were some times where the Tennessee offense looked a little predictable. And I think that was something that really bothered people because, you know, there'd be times where they'd say, oh, it's that third down play. They're going to run that little out route to Kamara out of the backfield. and You know, they're going to say things like that. And a lot of times, well, that, that would be the bread and butter. That's where they would go. Um, but I think it worked a heck of a lot more often than it didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Got that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, with, I guess with the quarterback position, obviously Joshua Dobbs was – uh, a dual threat guy and did did very well um, in that sense this year. Do you, I mean, do you think? Um, and obviously, it's it's hard to tell what he's going to run, uh, what DeBoer's going to run next. But I mean, do you think that this offense works a little bit better with a mobile quarterback? I think it does, but I think to be honest with you, I think every college offense works better with a mobile quarterback. You know, I, I, I there is no defense in the game of football that is designed to contain a running quarterback. It's just it's so hard to account for a running quarterback because those are the guys that can make a play right when it's wrong. Those are the guys who can make things happen when a play breaks down. Uh, even if it's just a scramble a little bit to buy time, quarterbacks who can move a little bit, I, I think they add a lot to college offenses. And, and if, if they could stay healthy at the NFL level, I think they'd add a lot to those offenses too. Um, but I, I think it can work either way, and I think they don't they don't necessarily have to have it. But when you do a lot of that zone read stuff, that inside zone, it's kind of hard to do that when you have a quarterback who's not a threat at all to run the football. Now, I'm not saying DeBoard has to go back to that sort of inside zone, zone read stuff and all that, but that's sort of what this offense, I think, is built around doing. And I mean, you can imagine if you're a defense and you're trying to stop sort of one of these these no-huddle, up-tempo spreads and all, all these things are coming at you million miles an hour, billion plays of quarter, and they're doing all these zone reads, and yet you know that the only thing they can do off that is they can do a play-action pass. But if they do, if he does the handoff, he's going to actually hand the ball off. If a quarterback can keep the ball and then make big plays with his legs, well, then all of a sudden you got to worry about, okay, is it going to be the quarterback, is it going to be the running back, or is it going to be a play action and the quarterback's going to go downfield? You can throw RPOs into the playbook. You can do a lot when you have a quarterback who can run. And uh, I think, and I've said this before, and this has not a ton to do with Mike DeBoard as it does just my overall thoughts on the college game, but if I'm going to have a quarterback who can run, he better be Peyton freaking Manning, <laughs> or else at the college level I want a guy who can run. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's everything's obviously been trending that way, you know, in the past couple decades even. Um, but yeah, it seems like he can kind of coach both. I mean, he he ran very pro style stuff at Michigan, ran this you know whatever you want to call Butch Jones spread uh, at Tennessee. It seems like he can kind of seems like he can kind of adjust a little bit. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and I think being at the NFL level for several years, I think that really helps a guy in, in situations like that. And I know I've talked to the board about this a couple times, and, and he said things that I think they, they sort of resonated with me. They made a lot of sense. If you think about it, he worked for two of the better offensive coordinators or offensive minds in the game of football when he worked for um, Mike Holmgren and then he goes to work for Mike Martz. So he, he worked for a couple of different very different guys but guys who have really kind of different kinds of offense but have success with it and i think when you look at it the way that the the adaptability that he has i think that helps a lot because in the nfl game you got to change a lot week to week um, because you got to do it based on matchups you got to do it based on who's healthy you know there's a lot of things at the nfl level that you have to account for every single week. And I'm not a big NFL guy, but that's the game played at the highest level. And that's the, the best coach that the game possibly gets is at that level usually. So I think that helps him a lot. I think that he can look at the players that he has and he's not so stubborn that he won't change what he has to kind of mold, uh, you know, into an offense that'll work because I think in Tennessee, uh, there was they had a lot of the same personnel the past two seasons, but they had some changes here and there. They had some offensive line guys who got hurt. Um, they had some wide receivers who got hurt. They, they had some some different things going into different weeks, and they were able to adapt that offense that week to what they had. So I, I think honestly, I, I think the guy's a pretty good offensive mind, and I think uh, I think he's going to do a pretty good job there. I know Indiana is a tough place in some cases because you're not always getting the athletes that you're getting um, at other Big Ten programs, but I think if you have discipline and if you have a system that you believe in and you get players to fit that system, I think in a place like Indiana, you can do really well. Right, right, and then last couple things. Um, You you guys wrote uh, in the story about him about him leaving that he was really heavily weighing uh, retirement as well. I mean, it is um, is that kind of a concern that, that maybe he's just kind of, you know, at the end of, of his career and, and kind of wanting to um, kind of ease out? Or, I mean, or is that something that maybe we're overthinking? Uh, you know, that depends. You know, a, a guy can go to a new place and get sort of invigorated sometimes, you know. There's nothing like, and coaches say this all the time, and I've heard coaches say this, but when you look at, like, you know, for instance, Saban now, he, he almost looks so, you know, <laughs> can't take us kind of all the time no matter what but he has said that the process of building a team is what he really enjoys so when you go somewhere you know the players want to buy into the new coach because even if they don't like the message they want to suck up to him because they want to play you know they're all trying really hard um you got guys trying to build something i think that a lot of times makes coaches happier than those teams that are expected to go into the season and be undefeated or something like that i i think that can really help a coach. And, and I think the board, you know, people always said, oh, he's an older guy. Does he want to do this? I, I saw him working really hard all the time. And I saw the guy having a pretty good attitude about getting into the office and, you know, getting after players when they needed it. But, um, you know, they, they kind of joke around. That he's he's kind of old, so some of his uh, lingo is a little bit off. But the guys, I think, seem to like him pretty well. Joshua Dobbs spoke very highly of him. Mm-hmm consistently uh, he said that the board helped him a ton and, and when you look at the evolution of Dobbs how he grew as a quarterback the past two or three years 
I think the board had something to do with that. So yeah, I think I, I think that he was thinking about it, and, and at his age, you know, sure, why not? You know, he's made enough money; uh, he can go be an advisor somewhere, or you know, do something like that. But I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank. Right, right, and uh, obviously, recruiting wise is, is uh, obviously a big question as well. I mean, what I guess what were his areas of focus, um, you know, recruiting wise, and then obviously he has, um, you know, there's a dual threat guy committed to, to Tennessee, and he's listed as the the main recruiter for him. I guess is that is maybe a, a storyline to watch for IU fans. Yeah, no, I, I think that the. I don't. Again, I'll try to be careful here because mm. I we've got a good staff at Go Balls twenty four seven, and I do probably less recruiting than just about any of us. So I am. I don't want to say a total idiot, but uh, I look at, at recruiting more from a macro standpoint than sort of the mm. micro standpoint. And and I think what I always saw was that the board. Um, would be in on certain players. Uh, obviously, the quarterbacks he would be heavily involved with. Uh, he had a couple areas here and there because he has a lot of contacts. He's been coached. He's coached a lot of different places. He's obviously incredibly familiar with the Big Ten from all those years at Michigan. Uh, he knows that area, and he's from Indiana, so he's going to know people there. I, I think that the he'll be pretty good in that Midwest area. He knows a lot of people in Ohio, for instance. Uh, I, I think that, that he's going to, I think he's going to have some contacts through there. And, and I don't know that he's going to be, you know, if you're a coordinator, you're not really as aggressive as a recruiter as a lot of the position coaches are, but you got to go out there and get guys. And if you're an offensive coordinator, you're going to be involved in the recruitment of quarterbacks. There's no question about it. So, but what I think the board can really help with too in recruiting uh, people think of it as just a, um, you know, a, a, a recruiting of the players. I think that one of the most important things about recruiting is evaluating. You have to look at a player and you have to project not just what he is now, but what he can be in the future. And I think DeBoer, with his knowledge of football and his love of filming, that dude is never happier than when he's sitting there watching film and breaking it down and going over things. And I think he'll do a pretty darn good job of evaluating players who would be really good fits for Indiana, who maybe are not guys that Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Sparty are looking at. But guys he can look at and go, hmm, you know what? I I think this guy could be really good in a couple years. I think he can go spot guys like that and guys who may not be five stars across the board, but they do a few things really well and he'll get them and help them put them in an offense in a situation where they can do that. So I'm not sitting here saying he's the greatest coach who's ever lived, but I think Tennessee fans have been awfully hard on Mike DeBoer and they shouldn't have been at times. I think he's been a a really good offensive coordinator for them. And I think he's going to do a nice job up there in Bloomington. I really do. All right. Yeah. That's uh, basically all I wanted to, to check on. We've gone, like twice as long as I wanted to, but but great stuff. Um, That's how it goes know. with me. I just right. get going. The, the whole radio and TV background right. to start all blabbing. They'll say, go to commercial, Wes, shut up. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's what I do. Yeah, well, fortunately, we don't have commercials on the podcast, so uh, this, this is a perfect medium for you. So, uh, yeah, thanks again uh, for joining us, man. Great insight, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be in touch down the road. No problem. Hope to hope to see y'all at some point soon. I, I'd like to get a. I'd like to see a Tennessee IU basketball home and home or something. Yeah. That, that, that be, or even a football home and home. It's only like five hours. Let's make it. Happen. Right, and and there are a lot of IU people who wanted a uh, IU Tennessee uh, Music City Bowl in Nashville this year. That would have been 
An absolute I'm, party. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if they would have wanted that because that's like anytime Tennessee plays in the state, it's like a visitor year right. away team, you know. Right. But, uh, but no, that still would have been fun. And yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I think he could do some good things up there at the board good, and I think it'd be fun to see Tennessee and in and in Indiana play there in basketball football. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Wes, and uh, we'll talk to you talk to you later. No problem, man. Anytime.